I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for matchsticks and gasoline. The Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. It's Mark, Gordy, and Michael this afternoon. We uh, have some stuff to talk about, I guess. There's really no hockey to talk about, but we've got fashion, numbers, and a couple of reader questions. So that's good. So, Gordy, Michael, how are you guys this afternoon? Not too bad. How about you? Oh, no. As I, said to you earlier, as I said to you earlier, I'm knee-deep in a nightmare project of ranking the greatest Calgary Flames to wear the numbers 1 through 99, and I'm learning a lot about weird numbers that didn't have good players attached to them. So this should be interesting. Um, but let's hop right in. Uh, Adidas uh, released the retro remix jerseys to, I think, mostly positive reviews through the Twitter and the Facebook and the internet itself. Um, there are a couple misses in there, and I don't think that's Adidas's fault. I think that's more lame organizations looking at you, New York Islanders. Um, but Calgary uh, did what I think most of us have been begging them to do, and that's bring back Blasty. A um, couple changes with, you know, the stripes on the jersey and whatnot, but um, I love it. I think they did a great job, and I'm psyched that they're going to be wearing these jerseys at some point if hockey is actually played in 21. Uh Anybody want to hop in and give their thoughts? I think we all know that I've been, I've been lobbying for this so much. I actually made the promo video, so um, I'm happy. Uh, what about you guys? Yeah, I'm beyond ecstatic to have it back. I'm I can't believe how many haters of Blasty there are. I, I guess like it's just been the fans of it clamoring for it to come back. But you know, now that it's back, I can't believe how much you know negative reaction there were for some people. I don't really understand that. <laughs> Michael, your thoughts? Well, like, Gordy, I, I'm surprised I think Flames fans are negative about something like that. <laughs> or, don't you know this fan base? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm absolutely thrilled they're back, too. I've already ordered mine. Like, they're just... I'll give them credit. They've been listening to what the fans wanted. They wanted full retro, and they wanted Blasty back, and they did it. So, like, good on them, and... I'm sure they're making a mint selling them right now, too. So, like, I'm thrilled about it. Well, it's funny. Like, again, Gordy and I, pre, pre-recording talking, was saying, like, it's crazy how, like, the Blasty is, like, associated with such a bad time in team history. Like, the teams were just not good. They were bad. Like, there was young young player potential that never panned out. You know, it's it was also like, you know, the start of Iggy. You know, he wore the jersey. It was Close to the end of Theo, Neuendijk, um wore it for a season before he got dealt. You know, like so, guys have worn it, uh, but like that's such a dark time, and everybody wanted it. But yet, also the Flames brought back the retro red and white, which are the glory days of the franchise. So it's like this weird mix they have going now with the uniforms. But um, I, for one, I think they came out great. I mean, a small tweak, so it's not like the exact thing they were wearing back in the day. So um, I'm absolutely thrilled with it. Um, What's a, I mean, I have your list in front of me, but just fire off your, your least favorite thing that was done 
with Adidas and the retros. Uh, so everybody wants to just jump in and start, go for it. I just think the teams that didn't even like take a chance, just, you know, stayed conservative, didn't do something fun with it, just missed out on a huge, huge opportunity. Like, I think you can look at like the ducks, you know, it's not the best. It's, it's kind of ugly, but at least they took a chance. They had fun with it. Like, I don't, I don't know how like you can be Lou Lamarillo or whoever made the decision for the Islanders and just, just be content with, I don't, I mean, just, dipping it looks like out what they of have a, now yeah i know it's it's you had an opportunity to do something fun engage the fans sell some jerseys and you just completely throw that opportunity out the window yeah the gorton's fisherman is just sitting right there i mean <laughs> obviously that's a dark time in islanders history you know with new ownership with uh off the top of my head i'll never remember the guy's name but he's the guy who didn't even have the money to buy the franchise and things all went to hell um <laughs> you know but still like that uniform like now with time you know spaced out is a gorgeous jersey it's awesome it's the the striping pattern the font the whole thing i think it's great and yeah the islanders totally blew it uh michael what's one for you and don't say the minnesota wild <laughs> oh don't worry i'm not getting into that with you i i, I don't want to <laughs> or at least right now i'm not gonna get to that with you because we've already had a long discussion about that but um i don't know for me a third jersey it's something that like if you're the team coming out with it, it's not just that you want to create like a nice Jersey, but you want to create a Jersey you can sell. And like, again, a third Jersey, you're supposed to have fun with it. It's supposed to be a little bit different. And like Gordon was saying, all these teams are just kind of threw out something super basic. Like I just, I don't get it. You're trying to make money. You're trying to sell a Jersey and you're trying to create something people are going to remember and enjoy. And just for me, like, Dallas is just the worst in my opinion where they just want like the all white with like and they're also doing white socks and white pants and almost the entire jerseys white and it's just I don't know what's going on in Dallas between that and that neon green they had this season I was just I just think it's so lame for what they could do with like I think their team is really well set up to like do cool third jerseys and they just don't do anything with it it seems like it seems like they've always struggled with that stuff like I'm with you that neon jersey is hideous and I was I immediately had a panic attack that the flames were going to do like black with like neon red, something just horribly disgusting like that. <laughs> but I will say I'll give Dallas credit. At least they didn't bring back the, uh, what we'll call it the, um, the Taurus bull, but it's the, you know, the anatomy bull that um, <laughs> looks like a reproductive system. So I, I will give Dallas credit for not bringing that horrendous Jersey back. Um, I think for me, the one that I hate the most, and I will rail on this, and it's I said it in the piece, it's the hill I'm willing to die on. I hate that the Carolina Hurricanes are wearing, wearing the Whalers colors. It's not so much the design. I think the Whalers design, you know, with the W and the Whale's tail and the H, would have looked cool with Carolina's current color scheme. You know, so it's like a nod to Hartford, but it's not Hartford, which is exactly what the Avalanche did to, uh, I think, great success with the Nordiques tribute, where they did the Nordic jersey, but they did it in the Colorado Avalanche colors. I think they're, they were in my top five, and in our poll, 22% of the people said that that was you know, the best jersey. Um, 29% was the Flames at the top, but everybody loved that, the Avalanche, and the Kings going back to that classic purple, I think looks absolutely stunning. Does anybody have an opinion on that? By that logic, shouldn't you hate the Minnesota jerseys then? Because they they stole Dallas or they stole the North Stars colors but kept their logo. No, I like the North Stars. I'm okay with that. I just hate the Carolina Hurricanes because they're not the Whalers. So I have, it's it. It makes absolutely no sense. You are correct. I'm a total hypocrite, but I don't care. The Whalers belong in Hartford, and that's the only place that logo and color should be worn. 
So there we go. We'll get that out of the way. That's my thing. So, um, but I think we were all pretty close. I mean, uh, Maddie didn't like the Devils, which kind of surprised me. She's not here to defend herself. So, but I always liked that Devils look, the Christmas. I think the red and green was nice. I know they flipped it and went more green than red. Um, but I've always thought that was a good look. But I don't think there was anything that was too, like, hideous. I'm not, I wasn't a real big fan of the Blue Jackets and the Capitals. But outside of that, I mean, I'm kind of with Michael. Have a little fun with it. You know, like, Muscle Duck is hideous. But I think part of it is the fact that it's so ugly makes it, you know, mm-hmm. what it is. So, um, yeah, so top five jerseys as voted on by our readers in our wonderful poll were the Flames getting 29%, the Avs getting 25%, the Kings slotting in at 14%, then the Coyotes, Minnesota Wild, and Montreal Canadiens rounded out. So, not bad. I think all reasonable choices. Um, nobody voted for Edmonton. I know. Shocker. That's, <laughs> that's a big surprise in our readership. So um, unless anybody else has any more thoughts on this, um, well, I guess, Michael, you already already, right? You got Rasmus Anderson. That's your, your Blasty? Yeah, it's on the way. Nice. Gordy, if you were to order one, who would you put on it? Uh, we, me and Michael have a buddy who got a man Japani jersey done for the heritage. I think I'd have to go down that route. I think that'd be a pretty cool guy to get. Very nice. I know it. Uh, what is it? The, the, the fan attic there in Calgary, the, uh, Kachuk is already sold out. <laughs> you can't even, which doesn't surprise me at all. Plenty of loot sheets though. Lots of Milan loot sheets waiting for you. So if you want to, <laughs> you want a number 17, there's a lot of those. You know, it's funny. I railed for them to bring this jersey back for years, and I own one of the original ones, so I'm like, do I even need to buy a new one? <laughs> I fought for years. I'm like, I can't wait. And I'm like, well, I have one. Do I really need to get another one? I think I would go with you, though. I think I would get um, I think I would get somebody like Manjupani. I think that would mm-hmm. – although the Geo one does look really nice, too, but I, I do own a Freddie Brathwaite. I'm probably the only one outside of Freddie Brathwaite who owns a Freddie Brathwaite Blasty jersey. So I, That's I a great just, jersey, though. Uh, I love it. I love it. I may just be content with that. So, all right, we'll move on from rating remix jerseys. Uh, I mentioned we started a one through 99, and I totally stole this from our friends at Jewels from the Crown, uh, the LA Kings website. Um, In this downtime, you know, we need some things to write about. So I decided let's do ranking the Flames one through 99, the best player to wear that jersey while with the Calgary Flames. Um, we are up to number six right now. Number seven will go up in about an hour, which will be up after this podcast. So you'll already have seen it out there. But so far, at number one, we have goalie Pat Riggin. Um, there were some people that were a little upset. They thought it should have been Reggie Lumlin. But then when you remind them that Reggie wore number one for only one season, um, they tend to back off a little bit. Um, easy Al McInnes come in at number two. Uh, everybody's favorite flame to hate, Dion Phaneuf at number three. Uh, Brad McCrimmon came in at number four, obviously the captain Gio's in at five. And the last one we have up so far is Phil Housley, uh, number six. Um, and everything seems, everybody seems to be voting along those lines, but Crimmon was kind of a, um, some people went back and forth on that. We had a, somebody said that it should have been Rasmus Anderson based on his potential. And I was like, well, he's really done nothing. He didn't win a Stanley cup and he wasn't an established NHL star, you know, but, um, Right now, 23 votes to 19 think that McCrimmon should have been the best player at number four. So, And then somebody thought it should have been Jay Bomeister for what he did outside of Calgary, which makes absolutely no sense, seeing this is about Flames wearing those numbers. Um, do you guys have any issues with the six players I've picked so far? Um, do you want to hear them again? Pat Reagan, Al McInnes, Dion Phaneuf, Brad McCrimmon, 
Mark Giordano and Phil Housley. You know, it's funny how many historical teams, like the lower the numbers are, there's all this competition for, you know, who's the best of all time. And, you know, you know, teams like Montreal practically have one through nine retired, but, I mean that that's a pretty pretty sad list for the first few numbers. <laughs> right. Right. Well it's funny. When I was coming up with six, I, I immediately when I think of six, I think of Phil Housley. Yeah. And that wonderful Jaffa helmet. Um, but like this six was pretty tough because Rick Natris was in there. You know, he was part of the 89 Cup winning team. And Gordy, you know, you were saying earlier, like those guys do get a lot of leeway because they're, you know, legends within the franchise. But then we had everybody's favorite defenseman and referee destroyer, Dennis Weidman. <laughs> Uh, was in there as well. Um, Michael, out of those three, would you have taken Phil Housley, Rick Natris, or concussion-laden, I don't know what happened to myself, Dennis Weidman? Hmm, that's a, that's a tough one. That's a, I don't know. I think I would have gone with uh, Dalton Pro to actually the superstar at number six. But, uh... You could have gone with Corey Sarich as well or the, uh, Brandon Davidson. You know, there are some some quality number sixes that have played in Flames franchise history. And you I go think down uh, the no li- matter who you end up going with, yeah, you. Would, I think no matter who you pick, someone's going to get mad at you. So I think you'll stick with Housley, who is safe at least. But uh, Yeah, at 13, I'm definitely going with uh, German Titov. He is definitely the greatest Flame to ever wear number 13. Um, but as we were talking numbers uh, 64 through 93 are fairly easy because um, all of those numbers except 93 were only worn by one person. So by default, Glenn Godden is the greatest number 80 in flames history. I think he's 42 though. I don't know why it lists him. They switch 80. him over. Yeah. Cause he didn't, yeah, well, he never played. Well, he hasn't played a game still, but no, he hasn't, but by default, he becomes the greatest <laughs> flames player along with Turner Elson at 65 and Garnett Hathaway's brief run with 64. So yeah, it's like we go through some of these lists and some of these plays were so, so sad. And Michael is going to love it because uh, Troy Brower will end up being the greatest 36 of all time in um, franchise history. Which is no just... way. Yeah, yeah that, it's it's it's, it's it's him or Zach Ronaldo. Those are your choices. Uh, it's like you no... could you could definitely sway me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go through this. There are how many people? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven players have worn thirty-six in franchise history. Only two players have worn it for more than one season. And it's just that it's you start to go through this list and you're like, no wonder why the Flames were so bad for so long. They just didn't have a lot of good players in franchise history. Anyway, so yeah, that's uh, that's how that works. So um, that's what we're on right now. And, uh, you know, keep voting, keep commenting, you know, let us know uh, what you guys think uh, based on the numbers one through 99. Number seven will be going up tonight. And I'm pretty sure you could probably guess who the uh, best number seven in Flames history is. Um, you guys want to take a shot? It's pretty easy. <laughs> it's TJ Brody. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, it is definitely Joe Mullen. Um, he literally was an absolute superstar. It makes everybody else look silly in a short amount of time. So we are going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we're going to take two questions from readers uh, that came off Facebook that are actually pretty topical considering uh, the Flames offseason. So stick around and we will be right back on the Tinderbox. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Tinderbox. It's Mark, Michael, and Gordy this afternoon. We just finished up our fashion talk about new uniforms and retro remixes and the best and worst numbers of all time, realizing that there aren't a lot of good numbers of all time in Calgary history. And uh, we're going to slide on to some reader questions right now. We put it out there this afternoon. There were some um, interesting questions that were asked that I don't have answers for, so we're going to let those slide. But um, Brand Corbeil, I hope we're saying your name right, on Facebook, wants to know what happens to the Flames' top line in 2021? Um, I definitely kind of have some ideas on this, and they're probably not going to go over well and it's probably why I'm not a coach or a general manager, but uh, Gordy, uh, what would you like to see the flames do with that top line? Um, do you think it should stay the same, or do you think they should nuke it or just kind of tweak it a little? I think they've gone out of their way to an extent this off season to make it known that they're, you know, they're shaking up the top line this year. Cause I think they said Elias Lindholm, they're going to, you know, try him out at center for an extended period. And given that, I mean, undebatably, Lindholm was the best part of that top line last year. Like, I, I'd have to assume he's centering that line. And, I mean, he's played really well with Kachuk and Manjapani and, you know, Gaudreau, obviously. So, I, yeah, I think that top line's definitely going to look different. If I had a prediction, I would say they'll try Lindholm out with that Manjapani kachuk wing duo. And see how that goes. And then you got a you got still the left-handed, right-handed split between those three. So, you know, I, I definitely think it's gonna look different this season for how long we'll see. You know, I think some Flames coaches have had the tendency to, you know, say they're gonna make changes and then abandon that pretty quickly. So hopefully, you know, whichever things they decide to switch up, they they commit to it for a reasonable period. Fair enough. Michael, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I'm kind of torn because, like, like Gordy was saying, I would like to see Lindholm between Kachuk and Manjapani, but I just really don't see who you'd end up putting with Gaudreau and Monaghan after that because I think they still stay together no matter what. But, I don't know, that line was so good when they were together. But, yeah, like, at the same time, Lindholm definitely did have his moments at center. But, um, yeah, I don't, it's just, this team's kind of stuck in that. I think a lot of it had to do with the cap being kind of cut this year is that they're kind of stuck right between that that part where they can make changes and that part where they kind of have to run it back again this year and hope that they do a bit better when playoffs roll around. But I don't, I would lean towards keeping it together right now, to be totally honest. Fair enough. I'm kind of leaning a little bit towards where Gordy's side. Like, I'd kind of like to just shake the whole thing up, and I know it – doesn't give you the exact left right that you want out there but like i love the idea of like lindholm centering kachuk 
and maybe to throw Gaudreau up there for a little bit and see if that works. You get a little bit of speed, a little bit of grit on one line, and then you'd have Monahan, Manjapani, and Backlund on the second line. And maybe that's something you do just to try to completely shake things up. I mean, I don't know if that works, but that's I think they need to do something. The the Gaudreau, Monahan, uh Lindholm line just it doesn't work that way. And but at the same time, the the Backlund Kachuk Manjapani line is a really good line. But I think Lindholm absolutely has to center a line by himself without Monahan. Um, and I think Monahan at this point is probably, um, you know, a number two center if he even would center that line with Backlund. Um, am I way off on that thought? No, I think I think if you can deploy Monahan as a number two center, he'd be much more effective if whoever whoever they have on the top line is producing at a solid pace as well. Yeah, I just think that Gaudreau and Monahan need to be split up. Something needs to happen. And I think, I mean, if you if Gaudreau can, you know, he's got. Kachuk is such a good playmaker out there with him. I think you, that line could really cause some havoc between just Kachuk being a pain. And then you've got two elite skaters and goal scorers in Lindholm and Gaudreau with a guy who can score as well. It's a, I think it's a super line. It's a great way to start up top. But that's me, Michael. You have a thought on that or am I just uh, completely losing it? No, I'm fully behind at some point having Kachuk or Kachuk and Lindholm happen. Um, I just don't know how the rest would all shake out, but like, yeah, I'm kind of at the point like you where I'm kind of just kind of over Monaghan at least. Like I think Gaudreau still brings a lot of value to the team, but mm-hmm. Monaghan, when he just wasn't scoring last year, he wasn't doing much of anything. And if that even moves him down potentially as low as the bottom six or bottom six, depending on where they want him to be in terms of center versus being a winger, um, yeah, I, I just don't see how you keep things as they were with if you want to get Kachuk and Lindholm together. I think if you're switching a little bit, you have to switch everything. But yeah. I'm I'm 100% with you on that with Monahan. Like I I still think he has value to the team, but last year it just seemed like at times he was one of those guys that if he wasn't being fed the puck in the slot, he wasn't doing anything. Um you know, he's not one of those guys with good breakaway speed. He just seems like a guy that needs to be set up to make things happen. Or at least that was last year. He wasn't creating much of his own offense. Not that Goodrow was either, but I just kind of feel like Goodrow just has that those little extra intangibles that, you know, make him more valuable on that top line per se than a guy like Monaghan. And I would just like to see Monaghan pick a style of play too. Last year, it seemed like he was stuck in like a no man's land between like, all right, I want to play more physical, but I also want to score goals. And I don't think he knew how to handle it. So, but yeah, I think I, you know, and even if it meant he dropped down to a, to the third line, whatever, you know, play better and, you know, then you'll get your chances. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think that works. We good with that question. Thank we Hopefully we answered that question properly. Um, yeah. we'll jump, we'll jump over to the defense. Now, uh, Mark Holmes on Facebook wants to know, does our GM actually think our, our defense is that good? Uh, I don't know if it's a question of if our defense is that good or our defense is just what the flames could afford. Um, you know, they have six defensemen tied up in $22 million. Uh, you know, you're looking at Giordano, Hannafin, Anderson, Tanov, you assume Valamaki is going to get a shot. and then. Is is Shillington that final piece to the puzzle, Michael? I mean, you just did the the um, the Shillington top twenty five under twenty five. He is number eight, but I mean, is Shillington going to get in there by default this year, or is he good enough to play that final role as the sixth defenseman? If I was deciding on Shillington, I I would honestly say I think I see him being traded before it really gets at least too far into the season, just because 
they brought in a few other guys like Nesteroff, and uh, yeah. I know they really like Mackey as well, and then there's uh, Yellowson in the minors. Like, I think I've been saying this for a couple of years now. I think Gordy and I have talked about Clay, but like, I just don't really see if the team has him fitting in at all. Like, the last two years they've traded for guys at the deadline that have pushed him out of the lineup. Like, they clearly aren't comfortable with him as, like, a bottom-pairing guy where he has to play more of a defensive role, but, like, he also hasn't really earned any, like, top formats, especially with the core the way it is. And it's just... He's in that middle kind of spot that some prospects get to, and I just think it ends up making him more of a trade chip than a roster player next year. Fair enough. Gordy? Yeah, and I, I understand where this guy's question's coming from. Like, from a, you know, from a broad perspective, it looks like the Flames lost two top four defensemen and only brought one back in. But, like, looking at the Flames, D, they have four four guys set in stone for sure, and they're all, you know, really good guys, and that's more than – a lot of teams can say, I think, right out of the gate. But on top of that, like like Michael said, like all the guys he listed, like they're going to have four or five guys battling for the those final two spots on the bottom. And, you know, there's nothing better for skill than internal competition. So, I mean, you know, on top of the guys he mentioned, like there's, I think Alex Petrovich got signed too. Like there's, there's just a ton of guys fighting for spots. And I mean, they're going to have a whole selection of different style players they can slot in on that third pairing. And I mean, one thing the NHL shows is you can never have too many D-men in the Flames are really taking care of that right now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think you guys, that top four is solid. I mean, you don't normally have that set up. And I got to think if Valamaki's healthy and has shown himself, he, he doesn't automatically slide into the fifth spot. But you got to figure he's got to be in the leaning for one of those final two spots, just based on pedigree and how well he was playing before he was injured. Um, who do you guys see pairings with? Who do you think partners with the captain this year? Is it going to be Hannafin or does Anderson make that jump to kind of break things up? So Hannafin and Tanev can play together. Michael, what do you think? Um, yeah, I can jump in. I was just going to say earlier, actually, that um, it feels very much like a boomer bust season for me for the defense where it's like, if guys like uh, Giordano, for example, if he can keep up his pace that he's had the last couple of years, like they could do well. But um, same with like bringing in a guy like Tanner, like if he fits in, the, the D could look really good. But at the same time, like if Val Mackey's not ready, if Hannafin's still kind of average, like I could also see the D taking a step back. But um, to get to your pairings question, I don't know. It's kind of a weird mix this year because like I thought Noah Hannafin and Rasmus Anderson played really well last year, and then throwing somebody like Valimaki with Chris Tanev, who's more of a defensive guy, I could see that working. And I've actually been throwing around, like, kind of having Giordano play more of, like, a second or third pairing role. Yeah. And then giving him exclusive, like, power play time to kind of maximize his offensive upside, which I think he still has. Because yeah. at this point, he's 37. I think he turns 38 during the season. Like, he's going to be putting on a lot of miles, like, the next couple of years. So they can minimize his 5-on-5 time, at least during the season, then maybe up it back for playoffs, like, I don't know, I could see him being more of like a third pairing in like in terms of a lineup, but like still getting like maybe 20, 22 minutes a night instead of 28, 29 a night kind of thing. Yeah, no, that makes total sense because he is the grandpa of the uh, the defensive pairing at 37. The next closest player is um, the next closest player is oh I just lost it, where are we? Is uh, Tanev at 30, and everybody else is at that point under the age of 25. So yeah, he's kind of like the the elder statesman, and you could totally see maybe him dropping down a couple spots and, you know, because you kind of kind of have to see what you've got in the young kids because you're locked in with, unless you trade Hannafin or Anderson or Tanev, you're in with these guys for the next four seasons, whereas you only get two left of Geo, if that, 
if he's even around. So, Gordy, you got any thoughts on that? Or Yeah, I, I agree with Mike. I think Giordano's kind of that guy – like he's obviously going to start the season on the top pairing, but if he's, if he looks how he did in the bubble and he, he really is on kind of the backside of the hill now, like you, you hope like Valimaki, how good he looks in Finland is going to translate here. And, you know, Hannafin takes on a bigger role away from Hamannick, like moving guys around into bigger roles will be a big deal. But like I said, like like the depth is just ridiculous. Like they're gonna have tons of guys fighting for that bottom spot. I think Valimaki's playing on the right side in Finland too. So I think they're really trying to groom him to be kind of a versatile guy all over wherever they need him in the lineup this year. And then Chris Tanev, like you saw what he did with Quinn Hughes in his rookie year. Like he's a huge mentoring presence. So maybe you pair him with a guy like Shillington at some point. Maybe you pair him with Valimaki, but the flames have a lot of options and that's, that's definitely the key. I think. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that we answered reader questions with actual answers, which is good. I gave some people some information. Um, you guys got anything else you want to touch upon before we uh, wrap up here? Can't think of anything. All right, Michael, you got anything that you want to add or are we good? No, I think I'm good too. All right, cool. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Tinderbox. Uh, we went over uniforms, numbers, offense, defense. We took some reader questions. So this was good. Um, if you like what you heard today on this podcast, please look for us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Just search Matchsticks and Gasoline or the Tinderbox and you will find us. Please subscribe and like us and follow us. And hopefully we will catch you next time. Guys, thanks for coming on and we will talk to you next time on the Tinderbox.